Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. You tried to trick me, didn't you? You knew I was starting to get up. I thought you'd come to the end. I started to get up. I thought, no, no, she's going to continue. Yeah. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3. I'm calling tonight's lesson Dress for Success, and you'll understand what we're talking about in just a second. We're preaching, teaching through the book of Colossians. And as was Paul's custom, the first half of Colossians, chapters 1 and 2, was pretty much doctrinal. It's pretty much theological. He's laying the groundwork for what he then teaches in chapters 3 and 4, which is everyday practical. Now, when he started the everyday practical stuff, the first thing he did, and we covered this last time, first thing he did was, now that you know that you're a Christian and you know your sufficiency is in Christ and all of that, you have the Holy Spirit, What he's teaching us in chapters 3 and 4 is your life ought to show that. It ought to be revealed in your life. And in our last lesson, he went over the things that ought not be in our lives. And he listed those things. Remember that in our last lesson? And our, our duty, our responsibility then is to examine our hearts and see if any of those things are in our lives. And then, with his help, remove them if they are. Well, tonight... He now goes into things that should be in our lives. Last week, things we needed to get out. This week, it's about things that we ought to have in our lives. And I want you to examine your hearts tonight and ask yourself, are these things in my life? And if not, with his help, make sure you develop them. Make sure that they become a part of your life. We're in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 10. And we'll be reading verses 10 through 14. That's our passage for consideration this evening. In verse number 10, he says this. Now he's talking about, he's being positive now. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, But Christ is all and in all. And then verse number 12. Put on, therefore. Now, these are character traits that ought to be in our lives. And if they're not, that's a problem. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. That should be in your life. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. Long-suffering forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And by the way, one other thing he says, and above all these things, put on charity, which is synonymous with love, which is the bond of perfectness. So he has been talking about things you ought to take off and things you ought to put on. 
back in 1975, and there's a picture of it here. I've got this, I, I bought this book back in the 70s. I think it's still in, in my bookcase at, at, at home. In 1975, John Malloy wrote a book called Dress for Success. And, by the way, I went to hear him speak at LSU. He was very popular when this book came out. And uh, he spoke at LSU, and I I went there and I I listened to him. John Malloy wrote a book called Dress for Success, which became the fashion guidebook for many people trying to climb the corporate ladder. Malloy's advice centered on a basic premise, which was dress like your boss. Every day for work, school, or recreation, we have to decide what to wear. And even in the dress-down 90s, people strive for, strove for the right look. But we must also, here's the the key, we must also make choices about another wardrobe, our attitudes and actions. If we claim to be followers of Christ, our spiritual apparel is of far greater significance than our physical clothing. Take a look at God's dress code for us. As his chosen people, we're to close ourselves, we just read it, with kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. We're to demonstrate patience and forgiveness. And above all, we must put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And they ask this question, do I begin each day by acknowledging Christ as the person in charge? The one for whom I work? Do I take time to clothe myself with attitudes that please him? Am I wearing what people are most longing to see? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and love? If so, I'll be dressed for success in God's service. Colossians chapter 3 is focusing on us Christians dressing for success. But it's not talking about clothing. It's talking about us putting on the right character qualities. Colossians 3 is really God's dress code as far as our character is concerned. Now, why should this matter to you? Why does it matter? Why is it important for you to be here tonight? Why is it important for you to hear what God has to say about the attitudes and the character traits that you ought to have? Well, consider this. When we don't put on the new man and we live under the influence of the old man, remember last week we talked about the old man, we we ought not have things like fornication, covetousness, anger. When we don't put off that, we live in a world of drama, tension, suspicion, hurt, and disappointment. Think think about it for a second. If, If you have that old clothing that you're supposed to be getting rid of, things like fornication, covetousness, anger, which was named in our last message, every heartache and heartbreak you're experiencing with your spouse with children, with family, with co-workers, neighbors, or friends is related to your problem with the old man or their problem with the old man. All the problems that we have, to a great degree, is related to the fact that we haven't taken off the old man as Paul instructed us to do here in Colossians. People who put on the new man... 
they're going to be the ones experiencing the peace and, and blessings. Let, let, me give, let me explain what I'm talking about. Let me give you some examples. In a marriage, if one or both spouses exhibit covetousness, in a marriage, if one or both of the spouses exhibit covetousness, that's going to create some problems. That's going to create some drama. That's one of the practical reasons why you need to hear Paul, heed Paul's advice when he says, don't let that be named among you. Don't, don't do that. Get rid of that. That's the old man. That's the old way. You're saved now. You can get victory over that. One of the things he mentioned that we should take off is fornication. That's just sexual sins outside of marriage. Well, listen, if one or both spouses are involved in fornication, guess what? You got real drama now. He mentioned anger. Well, if, if one of the two spouses in, in a marriage is, is prone to anger, guess what? That's going to create drama. That's going to create problems. And for that reason, he says, get rid of that stuff. Don't make excuses for it. Don't explain it away. But he says, get rid of it. Now, on the other hand, tonight he said, now these things you ought to have. One of the things he says you ought to have is meekness. If both spouses are exhibiting meekness, you're going to eliminate drama. One of the things he says you ought to have is kindness. Two spouses showing kindness towards each other. You're not going to have drama. He says you're supposed to have forgiveness. If both spouses demonstrate a proclivity for forgiveness, you're going to eliminate drama. So, the practical application of the practical teaching of the Apostle Paul is very important for you and I to understand it and make the necessary changes in our lives. Not excuse the fact that we might have some of those negative things in our lives or excuse the fact that some of the positive things we don't have in our lives. But we need to thank God that he's telling us precisely, this is what you need to get rid of and this is what you need to add and thank him for it and ask for God's help in making sure you eliminate what you need to eliminate and you bring into your life what you need to bring into your life. That's not only true what we're talking about among spouses, but in in church families. Any, Any person that is unmerciful, unkind, proud, impatient, holds grudges, and is unforgiving will be a cancerous producer of strife, conflict, and ill will in a congregation. The character qualities that he's listed here need to be valued, appreciated, nurtured. It needs to be exhibited by every spouse in this room, every church member in this room. It's important to enthusiastically Embrace the character qualities that he is saying tonight needs to be in our lives. So let's examine these verses real quick tonight. Verses 10 through 14. What what do they say? Let's go back to verse number 10. We read it a while ago, but let's dissect it a little bit because it's important. He says in verse number 10, And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. When you get saved, the Bible describes it as putting on a new man. The new man is put on when you get saved. The new man would involve the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when you get saved. 
Whereas the old man, he represents your old sinful nature, the, the old sinful flesh. Putting on the new man is something that occurs at a point in time when you get saved and continues onward as you mature in the Lord through the process of sanctification. So, yeah, you put on the new man when you get saved, and you keep putting on the new man daily as you grow in the Lord. You learn about him, and you become more and more like Christ. And it says, key to that, in that verse, being renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Think about it. When God created Adam... He made Adam perfect. He made Adam. He, Adam was created in God's image. And when Adam and every person since Adam fail, then that image was distorted and needs to be, what it says there, needs to be renewed. We are renewed in knowledge through God's word and have put on the new man which is renewed, becoming like Christ again, making what these sinful men, Christ-like, is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Two quotes from Wearsby concerning this verse. God transforms us by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12, 2. And this involves the study of God's word. It is the truth that sets us free from the old life explained in John chapter 8. And another quote from Wearsby, we are formed in God's image and deformed from God's image by sin, but through Jesus Christ we can be transformed into God's image. So it is to our advantage and the blessings of the Lord that once we're saved, we put on the new man and we do it daily. I mean, Paul said, I die daily. You know, he, he knows that it's a daily battle for us Christians. And then he explains part of the reason for this. Where in verse number 11, he says this. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. One of the great blessings of being a new man is the breaking down of barriers that divide men and create animosity among men. Being a new person brings people together. You see, if we're made in the image of God, we are aware of the Trinity, hard to understand, but we accept it. And we know the Trinity is in perfect harmony. That's important to God. More about that in a second. He wants us to be in harmony with one another. And one of the reasons we grow is to be like Christ. And in being like Christ, believers are brought together. We are not divided. The, the old sinful nature divides people. You know, I'm, I'm from the old south. And I remember, Pat, I don't know if you, if, if you would remember... Or Mabel, if you would remember, I, I remember white water fountains and black water fountains. You, you don't remember that, Mabel? Pat, do you remember that? Uh, I, I remember white entrances and black entrances. I remember in Delmont Village, we're, we're talking a language that only we understand here, Walgreens. I think it was a Walgreens. They couldn't eat at the soda fountain or, or, or whatever. I remember it was a big deal when they did for the first time. See, man's old nature 
divides us. But God brings us together. Here's another quote from Wearsby. Human distinctions and differences should be no barrier to holy living in the church. In Jesus Christ, all human distinctions disappear. For example, in Christ, there are no nationalities. That's why he said neither Greek nor Jew. In Christ, there are no religious differences, circumcision or uncircumcision. In Christ, there are no cultural differences, barbarian or Scythian. In Christ, there are no economic differences, bond or free. He says we get saved and we become like Jesus Christ, so we'll be unified like the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit are. And it's not there in in Colossians, but in Galatians chapter 3, Paul added there is neither male nor female, and thus erase even differences between the sexes. So one of the wonderful things about being saved and being born again is having this unity one with another. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of a church where people are unified and they love one another and appreciate one another and they're brought together. That's what he's talking about. And therefore, he says in verse number 12, put on, therefore, okay, if we're going to achieve this unity, if we're going to achieve harmony, put on as the elect of God, that, that means selected, the Lord, it's, Lord's, it's the Lord's will that everyone be elected, but not everyone receives the Lord. He says, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, here's the traits that he wants exhibited, that we have to put on. We have to do our part. Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. These are the character qualities. Let me give you this quote. Put on. This verse shifts from the negative, lay aside, to the positive, put on. With the stripping off of the old nature, there has to come a new nature, the new man. We have laid aside the old garment, the hand-me-down rags from Adam, and have put on the new garment, the new man in Christ. And that's why it's so important to be at church. You know, folks that aren't here tonight, they're not hearing this. And and I'm sure there's people that have good reason for not being here tonight. I'm I'm not trying to shame anybody for not being here. But the point is, that's why I encourage you to be here. Because we need to be reminded of this. Because our old nature wants to fight back. And we want to fight with our spouse. And we want to fight with somebody at church and what have you. And, And we learn from God's word. And we're reminded in God's word tonight that, no, that's not what he wants. And he lays out for us in detail. The character traits and qualities that are to be developed in our lives. So if you're experiencing a bad relationship with a spouse, family member, co-worker, or what have you, understand God's telling you the character traits that will improve that relationship. And he lists them. Bowels of mercies simply means tender feelings of compassion toward one another. Kindness. This ought to be seen in us on a regular basis. Is the friendly and helpful spirit which seeks to meet the needs of others through kind deeds. Humbleness of mind means don't try to be a big man. He who thinks him, this is what Spurgeon said, he who thinks himself big has not yet learnt the true spirit of Christianity. For us to achieve that harmony that is such a blessing in a home, such a blessing in a marriage, such a blessing in a workplace and in a church, there's got to be meekness. Describes the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. And then long-suffering is the ability to hold hold one's feelings in restraint or bear up under the oversights and wrongs afflicted by others without retaliating. It is manifest by the 
quality of forbearance under provocation. And then he goes on further in verse number 13, says this, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Forbearing one another means to make allowances for each other's faults, or simply stated, it means to just to, to put up with each other. And forgiving one another means to just, what it says, forgive. Spurgeon says this, Spurgeon exhorts us to forgive as we have been forgiven by God, just as readily, just as freely, just as heartily, just as completely. That's the way God has forgiven us. And Spurgeon gives us a poignant reminder that as God forgave us readily, freely, heartily, and completely, that's the way we should forgive others. And I ask you, is there anyone that you hold a grudge with tonight? That you're angry with? That you're, you're bitter toward? You're living in direct violation from God? And all that's going to create for you and them is drama. That's not to be named in, our, in, in a Christian's life. It's to be kindness and compassion. And then he concludes by saying, And above all these things... Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. He concludes by saying, most importantly, make sure you love people. When people love one another, it will bond them together. John MacArthur says, and I quote, Love is the most important moral quality in the believer's life, for it is the very glue that produces unity in the church. Believers will never enjoy mutual fellowship through compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, or patience. They will not bear with each other or forgive each other unless they love one another. Have you noticed something interesting about the list that he gave us tonight? The, the clothes we're supposed to put on, how we're supposed to dress for success? Those character qualities in this passage are all relational. Every one of them deals with relating to other people. The, the meekness, the, the, the kindness, the, the, the patience or the long-suffering, that's all dealing with how we interact with other people. That's, that's real important to God. You know, what parent doesn't hurt to see his children quarreling among themselves, as children or as adults. What parent doesn't ache over the fact that maybe two of the siblings haven't spoken to each other? I like this quote. Each one of the qualities mentioned in this passage expressed themselves in relationships. A significant measure of our Christian life is found simply in how we treat people and the quality of our relationships with them. The character traits that Paul lists for us tonight promote harmony. They promote unity. It promotes goodwill. It promotes friendship. And who doesn't want that? That's so important to our Savior. He doesn't want to see us, his children, quarreling among themselves. He doesn't want to see in the families individuals quarreling among themselves. Look at what he says. Just, I, I could have given you a ton of verses, but just three. 
Psalm 133.1 Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's exactly what Paul was teaching these Colossians. Because remember, there were, there were false teachers that had come into that little congregation. And there were some people that were listening to those false teachers. And no doubt there were others that weren't listening. And I imagine it made for some pretty spirited talk in that congregation. Those guys are idiots. No, they're not. Don't you call them an idiot. I listen to them, and those people are sincere, and they seem to know what they're talking about. And so God, through the apostle Paul, knowing what he says about unity, says, look, there's some things you've got to take off, and there's some things you've got to put on. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. One of the reasons the Lord wants us to love one another, it reflects his character and the love that the Trinity have for each other. But another reason is it's a powerful testimony. In a world that seems to be increasingly filled with hate, and people beating up each other on the streets and, and all of that kind of stuff. It is a love of one person for another or for a group of people together to love one another. That is a powerful testimony. I mean, it just makes lost people scratch their heads. How, how can that be? You know, whether it's here in Mayo, with, you know, we have a diversity of people here. You know, we have People that are more educated, people that are less educated, people that maybe prosper more, people that prosper less, and certainly differences in personalities. And we can fellowship together, and we can laugh together and get along. That's a powerful, powerful testimony. And that's why we got to make sure that we're putting on those character traits that are listed there. Philippians 2.2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And by the way, that applies to the church, that applies to your marriage, that applies to your family too. Because you've heard it said before, and we need to be reminded of it, a church is no stronger than its families. You know, if, if, if in this congregation, families are just, husbands and wives are kind of coexisting, or they're at each other's throat, we'll, we as a congregation will never get beyond that so what he's talking about tonight is to bring people together you know as as family members as members of a community and certainly as members of a church so so what does he say again let's let's review verse number 12 put on therefore as the elect of god or god's children holy and beloved see that's how he thinks of us That's how God looks at us. You're you're to be holy and you're beloved. Put on bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of, the bringing together, the bond of perfectness. Share this story with you, and I'm done. Ken Robinson, who is now a pastor, at one time served as a 
police officer. He said people treated him differently when he was in uniform than when he was off-duty and wearing plain clothes. Something about the badge and the blues gained him instant respect and authority. He was often addressed as sir. When he told people something, they believed him. And when he gave an order, they were quick to obey. Robinson concluded, and you'll see where we're coming from, I guess the clothes made the difference. He said, and in uniform, I acted with more confidence. In Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul told followers of Christ to put on a new uniform. First, he described the clothes that we're to put off. Then he told us what kind of uniform we're to put on. In place of anger, wrath, slander, dirty language, lies, we're to put on mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness, and love. Most people respond positively to someone with these virtues. Their respect grows. They talk and act differently towards such a person. They listen to his words and acknowledge his authority and are drawn to the God he represents. What you wear makes a difference. So ask yourself this question. Do I have my spiritual uniform on? You say, well, what is that? We just spent 30 minutes talking about it. The kindness, the forbearance, the long-suffering, the humility. I'm not suggesting these things come easy. But knowing what they are, we need to work at it. We need to acknowledge our shortcomings in these areas. We need to not make excuses for it. We need to, if you come from a home that maybe that was never modeled for you, and it's a whole different world for you, latch on to a mature Christian in this church. Or just just watch them. You know, there's, there, there's a man here tonight that told me several weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, that's relatively new to getting in church or getting back in church. And this is a good thing, he said. He said, I watch the men in this church. I watch how they comport themselves. I I, I watch what they do. And he meant that in a complimentary way. It's not like he was trying to dig up dirt on somebody. He meant that as a compliment to those men. And that's smart. Because maybe you you were just brought up in a home with... It was just the old man, the old clothing, the old rags. Nobody was dressed for success, and it showed. But you've been saved. And now you're to be recreated and renewed in in his image. And then you you, you can pray, you know, and and, and you can ask God to help you. you. You might have a problem with temper. You might have a problem with pride or whatever it is. But I guarantee you that is always going to be the source of drama in just about every relationship you have. It's going to happen at home. It's going to happen at work. It's going to carry people with anger, people with pride. It cuts across all the social strata in your life. You want to see the drama in your life reduced substantially? Just determine, I'm going to put off the old man. 
And with God's help, I'm going to put on the new man. And you can do it. You can do it. And it'll bring blessings to your family. It'll bring blessings to our church family. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.